0: What do you want of me? Get off my world. Get off my world. It belongs to me. If you can't handle rejection, then I think you better leave. You can't call us fanatics, but the truth It belongs to me. Get out my world. It belongs to me. I just do the best I can.
1: Hello, listeners, Huvians and random people who've come upon us alike. This is Get Off My World. I'm Ariel Leaf.
2: I'm Pat. I'm Joshua.
0: And I am Kelvin.
1: We are a bunch of fans of the old Doctor Who who are desperately doing our best to like the new Who and succeeding upon occasion. Today we are going to try and get our way through all the last five of Jodie Whittaker's episodes. Uh, we're going to jump right in. Uh, we're not going to have any fun along the way. We're just going to go right on <laughs> into Demons of the Poon Job. You didn't think that was fun? Actually, that one I did think was fun. Despite having some immediate protests.
2: Yeah. I liked it a lot three weeks earlier when it was called Rosa.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's no mistake that, like, some of those historical ones tend to be the most successful. Because they're really rooted in something. You know, there's an ideology or or a gravitas to them that the other episodes aren't necessarily going to have. And that doesn't mean they can't be good or fun. But, like, I think inherently they are more likely to win the sweepstakes odds.
2: I thought it was inoffensive based on the rest of the series, but a little repetitive in structure of all the episodes preceding it, and thus a little dull. But I agree that it was not bad by any means.
3: Yeah, I think that mostly this would be like a middle-of-the-road Doctor Who episode if it was in a I'm going to say it if it was in a better season Mm -hmm. but because uh, I haven't been totally impressed with this season so far it stood out as being particularly good and you know it's written by Vinay Patel and the composer Sagan Akinola did a quite comprehensive job of using Southeast Asian instruments and stuff like that and so I think it wasn't a kind of brownface episode where a bunch of white people were just kind of oh, like, like God, the old yeah. Doctor Who yeah. might be like Marco Polo or something mm-hmm. where we're just going to have a kind of a storybook version of history in some far-flung corner of the British Empire. This is a much more authentic, at least feeling than that.
1: However, there, there were some rules I felt that they broke that I think of as, like, Doctor Who rules that were really problematic for me. Like, people saying their real names when they meet their family members from the past. Or the doctor (laughs) even allowing her to go meet her grandmother. That would have been a hard, fast no. You're gonna break something in the time continuity. You're gonna screw up your... Birth and and we're going to see this all throughout the whole next. She was
0: really know. casual
3: about yeah. it. She was super mm-hmm. chill
1: about it, and that that's yeah. not something that would have flown before. Is
3: it maybe just because Khan is such a common name in the Punjab? Like it would be like Smith well, or then Scrimshaw. Tell us that. <laughs> you know, please
1: give us anything to believe why this is all right.
2: Well, she has some advice to them to be really careful and stay in the background at first, and then it just goes away.
1: Well, and this happens in every episode. Yeah. But
2: she should have had a big flashback to Father's Day, the Ninth Doctor story, like this super cut of everything that happened in that episode, and then have her go, no.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the big flapping
2: things.
1: You know, or I'd love something where at the end of the episode, you like saw the grandma wink at the doctor, like, oh, she knows she's always known who she was, or this has already happened, or given us some That's reason That's what I was think, expecting. I was waiting for that moment, and I still feel at the end that you got the sense that when Grandma asked if she had really wanted to know the whole story, it's Because she remembered her. And so that was a little bit of a wink to that. But I wanted something bigger that gave the doctor permission to allow that to happen.
3: Because we're dealing with, like, real social justice historical situations, too, it's kind of heightened my um, sensitivity to how they're being handled. And, well, for the most part, I thought Rosa was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, This episode came in for a certain amount of criticism among, among people online because it kind of skates over the admittedly super complicated historical background that's going into this partition. Yeah. At some point they say, like, oh, some people in London just you know decided that this was going to be a thing and now millions of people have to move in one direction or another. Well, it, that's true as far as it goes. It also sort of lets Britain off the hook because what yeah. we see in the episode is a bunch of Muslim and Hindu people hating and, and killing one another and so it becomes a kind of a lesson on sectarianism and local prejudice and doesn't really address kind of these fundamental problems that colonialism left in its wake yeah. and I understand that that's too much to do in 50 minutes of one episode of Doctor uh, Who but they did just totally let no uh, the ownership. UK off the hook yeah. Of. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Empress of Mars from last season which had a lot of um, colonial British soldiers in that case on Mars uh, but it was done in a kind of Broad lampoonish kind mm-hmm. of way that was maybe a little bit less offensive than when you're talking about real world colonial horrors. Yep. Mm-hmm. And
2: ultimately, for me, I think that's what Doctor Who does best: is that it starts with something real world, has a, a, maybe a satirical entry point or a historical entry point to the story, and then lets the science fiction take over and you can apply as much real world parallels as you want or you can just enjoy the story and then the narrative isn't under so much pressure from history Mm -hmm. or people's strong opinions in real life and they can take what they want and leave what they want And this series struggles by trying to bite off so much more than I would say, at least the writers of this season I think can chew, but possibly just what the narrative structure of Doctor Who can handle.
3: When they're dinking around in the French Revolution back in the first Doctor's era, that's yeah, like, no one's going to get super upset about whatever political approach that they take toward the French yeah. Revolution there, you know, and that's that was essentially derived from Tale of Two Cities anyway, and mm-hmm. so it's just sort of so assimilated into Western culture at that point that it's not going to offend anybody. But here, we're talking about stuff that in *Demons of the Punjab* takes place in in the, the lifetime th- of people living today. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing: I think that uh, I've been watching throughout this entire season, and maybe through all of *New Who*. There's a good graduate thesis that can be written, I think, on the concept or the idea that the old show, the classic Doctor Who, spent a lot of time writing political injustices. Think of the Sunmakers, like, oh, here's this you know dystopian society, and whatever. The Doctor comes in and. And there's a political revolution that occurs Mm -hmm. at the end of The Sunmakers. But the new series keeps trying to write metaphysical problems. It brings companions back from the dead all the time. It has Mm -hmm. things like, uh, you know, it flirts with the idea of killing Hitler and... In Twice Upon a Time, it has those aliens that, like, record everybody's life. And here we've got this alien race, the name of which escapes me. The
2: Witnesses. Yeah, yeah. they
3: witness these lonely ends of people whose deaths would otherwise go unrecorded. So that's a kind of godlike thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. the, like, the show wants to not just deal with real political things. That we're going we're gonna to change that and make it better. We're going to kind of give you a comforting metaphysical blanket. Well, on top of the that,
1: episode. they're also giving redemption to those aliens who were apparently horrible, horrible aliens before, but have now found the error of their ways.
2: Which is a nice idea as a standalone episode if you can divorce it from the other stories in the series. But you also have the sixth episode of the season, which once again has the bad guys aren't really the right. bad guys, and really the demons of Punjab are... People. <laughs> you know, just like two episodes ago, the spiders aren't the bad guys. It's Trump like people.
3: <laughs> There's an overall softness to this season that we're going to talk about, I think, for the rest of this installment. So I think an episode like this is going to
2: play better in the future. When you dip into the series. <laughs> and you're just watching a standalone story is not part of an entire sequence. I think I'll watch uh, two from the 13th Doctor
1: and one from the... Yeah, Yeah. so some of the repetitive
2: nature of it, it will not stand out. But I mean, also, it's the new series, and it's definitely series 11, where emotional content is up front. And to me, I'm seeing this larger gap between what people watch Doctor Who for. There are these groups of fans who love this because they watch it for the emotional content and the group that watches it for story either as well or is more important and um, they just don't seem to me. Because I read a lot of reviews online where someone who hates the episode will say the same thing as someone who loves it <laughs> where they we, put value yeah where they put the value this it's a little weakness that the story doesn't really make sense but really it made me cry and
1: it, well i you know when when people who aren't super whovians ask me like what the difference between the old series and the new series is i say the old series is like discovering the wild kingdom of Africa, you know, where they where they go out and they're delighted by these new people they see and they cannot help but want to, like, better the world that they're wandering onto, and, and the new series is a soap opera. There's storyline happening, but really what you're supposed to be traumatized by is poor Graham and his, you know, mm-hmm. loss. Like, that's... It seems like a lot of the time that's where the heart of the story is lying instead of actually in the storyline of the people you encounter. And then they're like, oh, well, maybe we can get you for a tier two on that one, too. (laughs) But we're going to always have this climactic moment for one of our people. And I feel like there's this huge separation because there are so many companions and the Doctor between our people and their people. It's not just one or two people walking into a whole culture and a whole world. It is an onslaught. Of opinionated outsiders.
2: (laughs) They eat up a lot of the screen time for uh, characters of the week.
1: Yeah. I mean, at this point, if I could, I would take Yaz and Ryan and just toss them in a sack and just be like, "Let's just stick with Graham," <laughs> you know, a, a nice sack, a, a nice spacious sack. sack with plenty of room, but one that doesn't get on TV. Nothing inhumane. Uh, there is really no need for either of them, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, and I kind of want to speak to that too because, intentionally or not, it does make the people of color seem like window dressing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing inherently great about Graham's character that isn't there in the other characters, and all the actors are perfectly fine. It's just that the show is clearly much more interested in Graham than he than it is in any of the other people so they do give a little nod to um to Yaz in this episode where they talk about her family uh stuff but it's not the emotional through line of the season and it irritates me a little bit that like oh I'm I, it's great that you have a diverse cast but it- but
1: the focus is actually on the progressive old white guy yeah
3: what do you think Calvin yeah, there's no room left.
1: <laughs> you mean Wait, th- for at your table? table? <laughs> no, no, there, there
0: is no room left. Uh, uh, I think I liked it more than anyone else here did. I mean, I liked that the aliens were not evil. So, But it, it seemed a little weird that the guy's brother seems to just sort of, well, we have to kill them because they're Hindus. Like, just,
3: that it just seems to kind of happen. He's radicalized by radio broadcasts, like what happened in Rwanda. Okay. Has, well, and here in the United States, currently, (laughs) right
0: now. I I, I was a little surprised you brought up Rwanda instead of
1: America, (laughs) actually. I mean, this might be an episode that would work better, actually, the less history you know, frankly.
0: You know, again, it's 50 minutes. How much history can you really put into
1: it?
2: Mm -hmm. I think it also suffers from this continuing portrayal of Jodie Whittaker's doctor as this observer and not someone who... Acts and you needed that to happen in Rosa, mm-hmm. but it happens again two episodes later yeah. here, and it makes it hard to feel much for her. She just kind of hangs out, waves the sonic screwdriver around, and then marries them. Which, <laughs> I, like, never, Not much which
0: I never quite followed. Like it always bugs me when the Doctor does things like marries people <laughs> because like, she's like, like the like
2: captain of a ship, the TARDIS,
1: and uh, yeah.
0: I suppose. I mean, it's like, well, how legitimate is this marriage? <laughs>
1: Don't you know, think that was the point. Are you here, yeah. I, I mean, You know, she, you she has no legal Hindu. authority.
0: I don't think she has any particular religious authority in either, Hindu or Muslim. Well, uh, practices. And I, as I someone
1: this... whose first marriage involved a grateful dead hippie tying a cord around my wrist, sure, yeah. I'm uh, not going to judge. <laughs> no. I... <laughs> All right. Well, then let's move on to Kerblam, guys.
2: Oh, this was like a long sigh of relief from this old school Doctor Who. Yeah, I had I like, a lot of
1: fun with this episode. Honestly. I recognize this
2: as a yeah. story with characters and obstacles which our protagonists must overcome. Actively.
0: And there's
1: some bad acting and it's hammy and it's fun and there are lasers and people going down chutes and shouting. There
0: there's that, but it does have this thing that the new series does that always really bothers me, which is It's set in the far future somewhere, and you're dealing with a world that's exactly like a modern day. I mean, it's exactly Amazon.
3: It's almost as if it's making a political point about the present day.
0: It it is, you know, (laughs) yes, but I'm I'm overdoing it for comedic purposes a little bit, but I didn't dislike Complam. It just kind of irritated me that it's just exactly now, only big.
2: (laughs) But what I liked about it is that was the entry point. Uh, contemporary satire of Amazon which I think the classic series did a lot but then as it went on this was not intended to be a discussion
1: of Amazon. And I have well, to say, the no. exploding bubble wrap was a delight. It was a best Like, rap. I the didn't see that coming, and that was super clever, and it was like one of the first times in a long time I sort of felt like clapping my hand in Glee and being like, very clever, guys. Yeah, That's was, nice. I didn't
2: see that coming. It's the first <laughs> thing in this entire season that I did not see coming. It
0: was fun, but, and it also helped my problem that I was having through the whole episode of it's a thousand years in the future. Why are they still using bubble wrap?
3: <laughs> it's perfect design. It can never be improved. The- <laughs> oh child gone. will
1: enjoy it for Just centuries <laughs> to come. I guess that's- we will always have two year olds, Calvin. I, yes, but, but we're, you we're, didn't
2: take that as the meta joke of I, bubble wrap monsters. I did kind of like the
0: weird symbolism of the villain of the story is someone who is abusing the system. Like, in a literal way, like, it's the system that's going like, system. wait, uh, help!
3: <laughs> I'm breaking under this. We, we got to talk about this, though, right? Because, yeah. I mean, this is, like, so not Doctor Who. This is, like, the most neoliberal episode of Doctor Who that has ever been written. You think so? Absolutely. Okay. So the, Tell me. So usually the doctor comes into an oppressive political system, like we talked about, and he blows up and takes off and leaves everybody else to pick up the pieces. But here, the villain is a disaffected laborer who, from what we can see of Amazon.com's warehouse, like, you know, this sucks. This sounds terrible, you know. And he's positioned as a terrorist. Like Kelvin says, the system itself is the real victim here. Amazon.com, you guys. That's the real victim. (laughs) So you look at an episode like Oxygen from last season, the show feels the need to at least nod in the direction of the doctor fixing the entire capitalist systemic problem. At the end of there, he's like, oh, and then there was a revolution and I took care of everything. That was just kind of hand-wavy or whatever, but it addressed it. Here, the solution is hilariously wimpy. Oh, the ineffectual managers are going to recommend changes to the system to make it more fair, and they're going to give the workers like a couple of weeks off or something. Well, I'm sure Jeff Bezos is going to get right on that. <laughs> you know, this is the most politically quietest thing I remember this show ever doing, and that's mm. even with Arch-Tory Robert Holmes at the helm, you know, bitching about his taxes and the Sunmakers. This is a very good episode, and I, I thought it was a lot of fun, but I thought it was politically <laughs> Air racing. I see your point. You work for this evil organization, Josh. Maybe I, I, I,
2: I do. I didn't start out working for them. They you acquired know. me. <laughs> <laughs> I totally see your point. But it goes back to my point about Doctor Who, though, is it makes this enough of a science fiction world... It doesn't feel, when I'm watching it, as on the nose as you are describing it, but I think your reading is totally
3: fair. It's like so Amazon.com. Like, the warehouse is just so... And, like, Kelvin's talking about, like, why is there bubble wrap? Well, there's bubble wrap because there's bubble wrap in all of our Amazon packages that we're getting right now. That's why. Not because it's logical that a thousand years in the future there's going to be bubble wrap. It's because Mm -hmm. it is making a specific point about our political capitalist system today, right now. But it's funny that I
1: never really... Thought about it being like pro system in the fact that I think I was just glad that it didn't follow the typical pattern of oh the bosses are going to turn out to be the villain and oh I was just like oh hey it's unusually pro robot but like I guess it's unusually (laughs) pro robot right but I I didn't I didn't make that connection because I already understood that there was a commentary happening about Amazon like I already was like I get that okay I'm gonna now on to the science fiction part of it so I didn't connect yeah yeah
0: I kind of didn't take it as like a weird defense of gigantic corporations like Amazon so much is like an incipient intelligence that's trying to be, and it kind of can't yet.
3: I'm legit surprised. I thought that the political thing was like so right up front that...
0: Uh, uh, yeah. I did kind of take the disaffected villainous worker as sort of a Trumpian type who was abusing the system. And the system was like a stand-in for, like, the conventions and traditions of democracy, which are completely being perverted right now. Mm -hmm. I admit that's kind of at odds with, like, earlier statements of like, griping about how Amazonian (laughs) it is.
3: Well, would you write your (laughs) Kerblam fanfiction? Which I encourage you to do. (coughs) I think you could elaborate on those, those points.
0: It'd probably just be about Graham as a janitor or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just like a
3: whole book of really, short stories. I really <laughs> thought that
1: somehow the doctor was supposed to be the janitor. I'm wondering if like That's there was a, just there was too much coming out of her to make any sense so yeah, they were so like we can't I don't know why or, don't you just wash a floor? You're weird. I don't know You'll be a good you. janitor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move us along then if everybody's ready. Is everybody really ready for The Witch Finders? Because I sure wasn't ready when it happened to me. (laughs) No, this is the
2: episode that I almost turned off. This one actually made
1: me Well, and I was led to believe that I was going to find it's Alan Cummings right. I I was led to believe that his hamminess was going to be delightful, and I hated every minute he was on screen.
2: I was embarrassed for him. I was embarrassed for me watching it. I was embarrassed when my wife walked into the room and saw me watching it. It (laughs) It was a humiliating experience for me, and I apologize if anyone else here enjoyed it, but I could not stand
1: it. This episode was a bunch of post-it notes about things they could put into this episode, and then they were in a hurry, so they just kind of said, let's use all of them. How about some root tentacles? Let's get some Satan in here. And hey, I think Ellen Cummings is (laughs) (laughs) pretty.
2: But like so, we were like, I, uh, we need somebody who can act like Mark Gatiss. <laughs> okay, so there's no just question. The
3: scenery. There's no question that dramatically this is far inferior to Kerblam. <laughs> but now we're, we're. I'm getting really Jesuitical here. <laughs> this is we'll go right appro- ahead. Appropriately so, maybe. But it felt very Doctor Who to me because it was a. It was a mess. Like Alan Cumming for me felt like the guy from the Horns of Nyman. Where just you bring him in and he's going to go way up through the roof and mm-hmm. just blow the top off everything. He's not taking it seriously in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the only memorable part about this story.
1: About other it. than a woman killing a bunch of other women, that also really bothered me. Okay, I'm going okay. okay. cir- okay. to
3: circle back to that. <laughs> okay. Because it may actually come in, uh, into play with what I'm about to say. Which is that this is one of the few episodes this season where the Doctor actually did anything. She's not a passive observer. She doesn't just hang out and marry people or stand by while <laughs> robots explode. Uh, here, she actually figured out what the problem was, and she addressed it, and she did something about it. So She literally jumped into the water. She literally jumped into the water.
2: At the heart of this story was a great idea to put this first female doctor in a situation where she is shocked to realize, ''Oh, crap, I'm a woman.''
3: This is the first episode this season yeah. where that has any
2: relevance <sighs> yeah. at all. I you wish it, it were in. A, time. I wish it were in a better episode because yeah. it's a great idea. Yeah. I actually really liked it, and lots of people did. Tell us, what
0: I, you I guess partly because yeah, the doctor did stuff. She endures the dunking chair. I thought. I mean, I liked Alan coming in this. I I thought that was an appropriate way to portray James the First, who you know was a, a weird Christian fanatic sort of guy who was kind of obsessed with this Satan nonsense, you know and uh, Graham gets to wear a funny hat <laughs> <laughs> I will go uh, with you there uh, but, you know, I, I don't know I, I was just a little shocked how much everyone hated it I was just like, what? Okay Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know how to process that
3: um, We're gonna donkey Kelvin yeah, I'm going to get a dog. You're yeah. going to get a <laughs> um, Witch!
1: <laughs> There's only I, 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 one I, I, woman I, I, in this room. We're pretty sure who the witch is going to
0: be. Yeah. Uh, um, Kelvin. Well, I think I...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe it was just, like, because it totally feels so much like old Hammer and Amicus horror mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that... Had a lot to do with why I had a positive
2: reaction to it. I've read a lot of reviews online, which I usually avoid when, yeah, I'm, I don't um, do it when I'm talking about yeah. the new series in the podcast. But because I so didn't enjoy this new series, mm-hmm. I thought oh, maybe I can find some stuff online that can help me find an entry point into what's great about this new series. Uh, it didn't really happen. But I will tell you, Kevin, that you're not alone. A lot of people consider this one of their favorites of the season you don't need to defend your opinion all i'm saying is it might have hit a lot of my personal buttons well you i also know?
1: think that like i don't normally mind when it's suddenly aliens right because we know this is doctor it's who doctor, it's, it's gonna going to often be, it's going to be, be suddenly, suddenly aliens <laughs> but yeah. because this was an episode about witches which i think to me that's weighty I don't know if it's just because I'm a chick, but, like, you have an episode about murdering innocent women, and Mm -hmm. I, like, have the feels, but then you throw the doctor in and have it be her first episode in which it addresses her being a woman, and then we throw the aliens in. Like, I didn't need that. I would have rather spent more time doing something Mm -hmm. surrounding the elephant in the room. I would like to see Jodie Russell with that more and be put in a position to make a hard decision as a woman and...
2: And it was weird that they cast the woman in a negative light and were supposed to be sympathetic to the king by the end.
3: Yeah, I didn't
0: get that you were supposed to be, like, super... Well, I mean, okay, there's a little bit of... Discussion where the Doctor expresses sympathy to James because she's going to get burned at the stake. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to
3: speak to this, actually, because yeah. I think this is a wider issue that I see in a lot of mainstream science fiction shows. Yeah. I, I'm seeing it in Doctor Who. Uh, I'm thinking of things like Sleepy Hollow, which uh, my mm-hmm. wife and I watched recently, and Legends of Tomorrow, which I'll probably talk about a little bit more later in this episode. Yeah. But there's this idea now in uh, science fiction that deals with time travel, at least in a popular vein, that we're kind of trying to square the circle. On historical figures between what we know to be true and what we want to be true. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So, like, we know George Washington or Thomas Jefferson and these people are like highly problematic people, you know, and slaves and etc. James the First, another really good example of that. Mm-hmm. But we also identify with them culturally in a very strong way. So where we are right now in the 21st century, it seems like their less palatable parts aren't ignored Mm -hmm. the way they might have been in earlier stories, but they can be downplayed. Or they're played for camp comedy, like Alan Cumming does mm-hmm. in this one, or they're reconciled in some way through a psychodrama or a character arc, which is something that we see in this episode too, where James the uh, First mm-hmm. seems to grow and change at least a little bit from the beginning to the end because of his association with the Doctor. I'm not saying whether this is a good or a bad thing. It's a popular cultural moment that I'm identifying right now, and that's I think I think it's correct that we're supposed to like James the even though he's technically the villain of the piece for most of this it, it, because to deep six him the way that Russell T. Davies did with uh, Queen Victoria in Tooth and Claw is like not something that Chris Chibnall is going to do like RTD wh- whatever his problems as a storyteller were yeah. he was not afraid to take the piss out of Queen Victoria and just mm-hmm. make her a, like a total buffoon mm-hmm. you know and that is not where we're at in the Chris Chibnall era
0: the dramatic arc with with James the first. I mean, I didn't feel like that was like putting a hand on the audience's shoulder and be like, "No, James was okay." I did. I really didn't get that, but I okay. Don't, I, don't
2: I felt like we were supposed to think he was cute. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean cute cute you, you, you
0: got you know, there's a certain basic dramatic thing of like. Realistically, if a bunch of time travelers ran into James the First, he'd probably have them all executed. You know, and well, he did what he could. Well, we, we can't we can't have James the First just execute the cast, so we have to have kind, some kind of
3: understanding happen there. Well, I I was very disappointed that when James the First was talking about Satan, she didn't say, you know, I met Satan back when I was David Tennant. He was really tall. <laughs> that would have been a great moment.
1: There seems well, that, to that, be no calling back at
2: all. Yeah,
0: yeah, I kind of wish they would call back things more, but then again, there's a legalistic uh, contractual thing where they probably have to pay the writer who came up with those things more money, and they can't do that.
3: It may just be depictions of like the Daleks on screen, but we can talk about that. I don't want to leave The Witch Hunters without mentioning the first Doctor novel, The Witch Hunters. Yes. by Steve Lyons. That's, this is not the same period. Uh, this is about Salem and during the Salem Witch Trials, but because of the similarity and theme, I thought I should probably mention it. It's an excellent novel. It's It's out of print, like all of the BBC novels are. But... It, it ties into something that I mentioned when you were talking about Demons of the Punjab, about the sort of needing to existentially save people. Because in the novel, it's a First Doctor novel uh, with Ian and Barbara and Susan, they go back to the Salem witch trials and they take one of the women who's doomed to be a victim of that witch hunt and they take her into the future to see Arthur Miller's play, The Crucible. <laughs> To demonstrate that the injustice of all of that will eventually be recognized. I'm not not sure that that's the most compassionate thing to do. They then
1: take her back to her death? Actually, yeah, because they can't change it.
3: Because this is Aztecs-era Doctor Who, where history can't be changed. Right, as opposed to. Absolutely. Not one line. Not one line, Barbara. Again, I don't know that that's what I would necessarily want to see, but at least it gives some it's sort of... It's a pretty
2: amazing idea.
3: Just what uh, Matt Smith did with Vincent, Vincent oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh a couple of seasons ago, which was, I think, a direct lift from Steve Lyons' The Witch Hunters. But now that's been totally assimilated into Doctor Who, where even historical injustices on a massive scale can somehow be reconciled through the actions of the Doctor, which is, I think, maybe too comforting. For the the world we actually live yeah. in, but uh, yeah, you know, I'll just I'll different.
1: just put that out there. All right, I'm gonna move us along to number four. It takes you away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, you know, again, we get back to this actor, uh, question of is Graham the better actor or does he just get all the better stuff? Because mm-hmm. he gets some of the best moments in this one. He gets the pickle sandwich, for example. <laughs> he gets the comment, not like I gave him my credit card detail. Like He gets all the good one-liners all of the time. So mm-hmm. it's no, either that, right. that he gave the best audition and every writer said, great, I'm making material for him, yeah. or they're just writing him all the good stuff.
0: I think his character is better suited for comedic interjections like pickle sandwiches and stuff than than Ryan or Yaz would
1: be and pretty I sure think, that's his background I think actor, in a way but, yeah. that makes him a really fitting companion on Doctor Who yeah. is like the, the sort of bumbling human even though I love seeing representation kind of wish I could just toss Yaz and Ryan overboard because he just fits I
2: think the actor who Plays Ryan struggles a little bit. He's kind of one note. But what is he given? He's not, you're right, he's not not given much. He's given pretty bad material that doesn't make him look good. This one particularly, we're supposed to see this struggle to connect to this kid, and he eventually does, but it it feels a little too late, and there's not a lot of warmth there. Yeah.
0: Uh, Okay. I thought this was the best episode of the season.
3: Kelvin, I'm not quite with you, but I really liked this episode, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and, so I, and, I'm going to support you.
0: Yeah, part of it was just the surprisingly authentic Norwegian-ness. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's true. The entire season is yes. there going and to I don't, places I don't mean to, that Doctor so, Who has yeah. never gone before. And yes, I appreciate yeah. the that The
3: southern setting. U.S., India, and Norway. Yeah. Fantastic. By my count. They aren't
1: just in England over and over yeah. and over again.
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> three out of the ten episodes.
1: <clears throat> and honestly, like we'll I thought that the show created a really lovely idea of this other universe that that can't be close to us and longs for us. Like there was something really touching about I that. I loved
3: that so much, and it's from somewhere. I've been racking my brains trying to figure it out because it's kind of an anti eros and psyche thing. It's mm. not Greek. It sounds like something maybe like Schopenhauer might have played around with. Because it's this idea of spirit that wants to bond with matter, but it can't because it'll destroy it. And so it has to be permanently exiled. Like, that is clearly a philosophical allegory from somewhere. I just can't quite place it.
1: And I just immediately, like, I was more touched by that than I think... I have other than Rosa have been touched by anything in any episode. Like that that made my little that made my little heart a quiver. It's the- so
3: good that it overcomes the plotting nature of the rest of the show because mm-hmm. there's a, a good solid mystery at the beginning like oh what's this monster that's out there and what's this strange mirror and of course the monster turns out to be nothing but literally a recording mm-hmm. for dubious reasons that dad, that dad all set up Saturday, you know, yeah mm, whatever it seemed like there'd mm. be a lot easier ways to keep your kid in the house yeah it, it was left over from our first draft yeah um and then there's the whole kind of mysterious middle in between the mirrors Anthony's thing own. with like the dude with the. That thoughts. was my
2: favorite part of the
3: episode. You you think felt a the little
1: Death chi- Moths. You really loved the Death Moths. Well, that's felt like the most, yeah. the,
2: the closest this series has come to giving us some. Alien or character yeah. who was like compelling and didn't seem like something I had seen before no, in Doctor I, Who. I, I, I've seen before in other forms of science fiction. I really like. It felt new to Doctor Who. This yes. kind of weird goblin fairy tale. And maybe again, maybe I am just at my core a Stephen Moffat fan because I am responding to everything that has echoes of <gasps> Stephen Moffat. Well, in here. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it it's, had a little fairy tale quality you, to it. In the really balloons, see,
0: you didn't really see yeah, a I whole did, like, lot of evil, lying, con-men-type villains in Doctor Who. I mean, there's a few that are... Comedy con men. Comic ones. Like, like you know,
3: Carnival Monsters. Star-Long. Or, or, or
0: yeah. Sablon yeah. like or something Anyone H- like Robert that. Holmes wrote. This was like a seriously nasty version of that.
1: I think if I went back, I would like the Anti-Zone more. For me, it, it was getting in the way of the notion of what this house was, what this universe was, the choice this dad was making. Like, I was really caught up in that yeah. arc of the storyline. I think just in mm-hmm. that moment, I kept feeling like, do we have to run? keep running the gauntlet? I want to get yeah. on to the other half of I'm it. I'm a little
3: bit with you. I was so taken by the concept of this episode, which didn't develop until only a few minutes before the end with the frog universe Mm -hmm. that I was kind of retroactively a little bit impatient with everything else that was going on. I liked the mystery. And then I was annoyed by the mystery. Like, Oh, there's a, a recording, whatever, what all that was. But I would have loved to have seen 50 minutes of just Jody and the frog. Arguing about whether she should go <laughs> back or not, yeah, I, I think yeah. that would have been terrific. <laughs> I also want the frog to be the new companion, but that's. Oh, the frog was so
1: great! I, literally, I have the words "delightful frog" yes. written
0: here. The, the, uh, the o- literally, the only objection I have to this episode is: I wish the frog puppet was better.
3: Oh, you just weren't impressed with the
0: puppet. Just the realization of the effect. I love the idea of godlike beings assuming dumb,
3: trivial forms. Would you? I love that kind of. Preferred it to have guitar and well, nothing like that. But I mean, just so many songs about
0: you know, it just kind of like raises one leg up and down and it's just really obviously a uh, awkward pup. an awkward pub. i love
1: that fact about it that yeah i really like that at the end i felt like jody felt the most like the doctor to me she came out happy and yet sad and she, oh, she made the comment i made a new friend and then i had to leave him behind or whatever like the weight of of that 900 year you know i felt like that came back there for a moment right i, I agree
3: Weirdly, I also agree, yes. <laughs> what? I, I, huh? Uh, I hesitate to say this, but I have not actually loved Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor this season. I, I was expecting to like her, because I like her as an actor, and but I felt that she's been very one-note. Very much this brilliant thing, you know, that just kind of is the the same. She
1: has no like screen time. I would bet. (laughs) I would bet. If you went through and looked at her screen time versus any other doctor in the new series, you would see that hers is down. Her her problem is the same as Ryan's. She's given like two lines, unless she's supposed to be delivering a huge, weighty monologue. Yeah. Yeah,
3: I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. I'm not blaming the actor. Yeah. Entirely for it, although I will say that somebody like Peter Capaldi could work equally dubious material and get some more stuff out of it. <laughs> I'm
1: shaking but, my head up there. He got more lines. Like,
3: I just don't. Well, that's one of the many factors. Yeah. There's just not enough stuff for her to do. But, you know, all I know about her really is that she's pointing the sonic screwdriver in that particular way and saying brilliant all the time. But here at the end of It Takes You Away is, I agree with you probably the best that I see her as the Doctor because mm-hmm. there's uh, some more emotionality going on there and I think crucially it's not focused around her companions because everything she does is kind of a helper thing for her companions and I think this feeds into sort of the gendered nature of this season entirely it's like I don't know if they're kind of being very tentative about a woman Doctor but she's a very passive person she doesn't do a lot and what she does do is kind of emotionally help the people who she calls her fam.
2: Again, I went online and actually read articles, and there's an article in the Atlantic, and it's titled uh, The Radical Helplessness of the New Doctor Who, and Mm -hmm. it's basically applauding this portrayal of Jodie Whittaker because that's how a woman has to deal with things. I didn't really agree with it, but it goes to what Pat was saying. She's reading it as an intentional portrayal.
3: There's a lot to talk about here. (laughs) Um, The season stacks the deck here because there aren't implacable murder machines like the Daleks Mm -hmm. running around. There's In Rosa, there's a Terminator-style villain who doesn't kill anybody. In the Saranga conundrum, there's an alien-style villain who doesn't... Yes, yeah. Do, yeah, Stitch. <laughs> Stitch doesn't kill anybody uh, The aliens in the Punjab don't turn out to be violent threats The frog dimension doesn't turn out to be a violent no, threat Everyone's fine um, I don't know if that's kind of a broader sense of they want to move away from stories that are explicitly warlike, war-like. Um, What a
1: coincidence that they did that when they've got the lady doctor
3: That's what I'm saying In the one sense, it's very much like Christopher Eccleston's first season. You look at, like, he's not very effective when you look at what he actually accomplished. There isn't much that he actually does in his first season. But there's a macho energy that does develop toward the end where he's like, I'm going to wipe every stinking doll out of the sky. (laughs) You know, it's very hard to see Jodie Whittaker do that. Not because of who she is as an actor, but because just the stories don't... Don't give her the opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that by itself might be okay but she's also strangely anti-effective she almost killed her companions twice this season by teleporting them into the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy style you know <laughs> outer space at the t- at the end of episode one and then also blowing them up with the sonic mines in yeah. episode five like where is the doctor in all this yes. i don't know
2: For me and everyone has different aspects of the Doctor's personality that they really enjoy and I enjoy the alien cold aspect when in contrast with the caring side of the Doctor's personality and this episode has one of the only moments in this season where that uh, comes to the fore. It's when, I can't remember the exact wording, when she writes on the wall so that the blind girl can't see it that her father Mm -hmm. is probably dead. Yeah, And I was like, that's the Doctor. Yeah, It's
1: practical.
2: (laughs) It is caring as in like... She's hoping that the blind girl's not going to be able to, to know this information. But the blind girl's smart enough to figure it yeah, out. It's, well, a,
1: it's a great moment. I also yeah. love the fact that, like, there's also something that's not taken into consideration. And maybe this is something I just made up for myself. But right when you lose a sense, the others are heightened. So, of course, she mm-hmm. noticed there was writing on the wall. Yeah. Because that, she can hear better. Yeah. You so know. it's a
2: great one, too, because you have the moment where the doctor writes it, and you're like, ooh, harsh. And then you get this other twist when she's...
1: Yeah, she she knows. She
2: tweaks it. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, at the same time, how can a girl who's that smart to pick up on that not understand that what she's hearing are recordings outside?
0: <laughs> oh. uh, touche. Really good stereo system. Yeah, <laughs> really
1: because yeah. those speakers look super. They nice. did look really cheap. Uh, yeah,
2: uh, I think this episode's only let I, down by the very bog standard sci-fi debate at the portal, trying to convince the different people that the people they're in love with aren't the real people they think they are. And it's just this scene that you've seen over and over again. Considering how compelling the concept is, it's a pretty hackneyed scene. I agree with Pat. If they could replace that with just a uh, philosophical debate between the Doctor and a frog, I
1: would take (laughs) it, yeah. I would be on board. But I feel like if I watch this episode again, I will like fast forward through that chapter. Yeah.
3: I will say that I appreciated seeing... Sharon Clark back as Great. Grace even for a little, just because I like lit. that actor quite yeah. a bit. I view it as sort of like a cover version of a song mm-hmm. that we know and love. Yeah. Like we've seen this this sort of debate a million yeah. times. And, yeah.
2: Oh, I liked but, seeing her in it and I liked seeing her and Graham interact. I think they could have done it in a shorter scene at the end yeah, when, okay. instead of this big debate where it they slowly figure out. it out. I think the penny should have dropped sooner yeah, I, and, and given us more time to explore
1: the frog. The,
3: frog. <laughs> the doctor. The, the, the doctor figuring this all out. This whole season mm-hmm. has been dramatically blobby. It's just lopsided. <laughs> it's like the things that you should emphasize are de-emphasized. I feel and like you know
1: that you wrote a longer scene, so we'll let that be the longer scene. And oh, we only have an idea for this mm-hmm. scene. Well, let's give it five lines to move on. Like it isn't. Yeah, I don't feels very roughly sewn together i don't feel like anybody had a conversation through most of these scripts
2: yeah, i just feel like chris chibnall is just like is, is drunk on a beach somewhere and he gets texts and he's like yeah that looks great click <laughs> <laughs> approved and and he's just raking in the money yeah. these all feel like first drafts it, se-
0: it seems very well you know like you, you could possibly criticize uh russell t davies and, and Stephen moffat for being too hands-on and Chibnall is trying to be more hands-off and like, no, you you do what you want to do. And, you know, it, it doesn't really feel like there's, a, you know, an overriding direction.
3: What I will say, and I don't particularly like Chris Chibnall's scripts at all no, this yeah. season, but he has given space to other writers writing scripts that maybe a white guy shouldn't necessarily write. Yes. So I, I mean, he co-wrote Rosa. But Demons of the Punjab uh, and Rosa and some of the are not his. And so I'm I'm glad that he's giving the space for that to occur. Because it's usually not going to be as bad as what he writes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would agree.
1: We're going to move on into the final round. And I'm unfortunately going to set the tone by calling this the Battle of Blah Blah. What was that?
3: Grand score of Kolos. Grand score <laughs> of Colos.
1: Was that ever actually said anywhere in the episode? Oh, yeah,
3: several I times. A couple yeah.
2: times at the top. Over right? and over again. And I think there was a joke at the top about it was difficult to pronounce. Did you watch Graham
1: this? I blinked, I blinked <laughs> and missed on. most of this episode because I realized there was some sort of information somewhere near the beginning that I did not get. And then did not care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's pretty much what happened to me. I mean, I have positive things to say about the episode, but they have nothing to do with the actual episode itself.
2: I could not come back after the realization that they ripped off Pirate Planet. I lost my oh, freaking yeah. mind. God. I was, again, watching it with my son <laughs> and uh, my wife. And at the same time, uh, my son and I just started swearing <laughs> at the TV. Like, that is a bloody big pirate planet. And my wife was like, what is going on? What's a pirate planet? I, mean, it's, it's, I think she was half callback. dozing off. It's, a it's con- not a callback. Reference. It is a blatant ripoff. It's like, again, it's Chris Chibnall sitting on his island somewhere going, uh... I could just do Pirate Planet.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it was exactly a ripoff of Pirate Planet, but yeah, that was the first thing I thought of when it was like planets frozen and little. But it's I not
2: did... a little like Pirate That is the plot of Pirate Planet.
0: Okay, but here. here. But
2: they're destroyed in Pirate Planet. Yeah, hear me
0: out. There's a pirate planet. It, and, a pirate it, and it's planet. part of a, plant, a, pl- a plot to stop Queen Zanxia. I don't know why I'm defending this, because I didn't like this episode either.
3: <laughs> Roll with it, go and do it.
0: You know, it was a plot to stop Queen Zaxia and this it was just because uh, Tim Shaw is a dick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been a way better title for
3: the <laughs> episode. Okay, so continuing the tradition of Jody's doctor being pretty ineffective... Here we establish that she accidentally sent Tim Shaw to the wrong planet where he hijacked a religion for 3,400 years (laughs) and genocided a bunch of planets in a pirate planet kind of way. Yeah. So, okay, certainly there's no way we can ethically hold her responsible for that, but it doesn't do her any favors dramatically, especially in the context of the rest of the season where she's just kind of meh. And
2: where this really falls apart, is this bizarre discussion of pacifism. Uh, Let's just get in here. (laughs) I I would love if Doctor Who at some point attempted to actually articulate the... Pacifism as a real philosophy? As an argument and, and wrestle with it. Well, I think on this podcast, several episodes ago, we discussed, I think, the best Doctor Who story in this regard, which was from the Eighth Doctor Time War box set, in which he has to really grapple with this passivism in the face of a just war, and, and it actually deals with it in the story. Here, it just is random and nonsensical. This is a a monster, a, a murderer on an epic scale, and they're not even allowed to defend
3: themselves. Yeah, it breaks down into two parts. Like first, Graham says. If I see that guy again, I'm going to kill him. That ticked me off. Well, on the face of it, it's a legitimate thing that a character would express. It's kinda, completely out of character for something like mm-hmm. that. Yes. If you don't mind bracketing that for just a second, yeah, uh, yeah. What it, the, the ethical position is that uh, I'm going to have a legitimate revenge against this person. And the doctor, I think probably quite correctly, says, like, no, that's, that's a wrong ethical position. That's not something that you should do because revenge is not something that, well, don't do that. But when eventually confronted with Tim Shaw, what Graham does at the point of a gun, uh, he has the gun, is just put it aside and apparently he's going to be killed? Is legitimate self-defense not an ethical position in the Doctor's universe? Th- this is a toxic thing. The Doctor has told Graham, don't kill him, and so Graham is going to be like, I'm going to just... Die. Well, gonna I'm just going to die, and and he would have if Ryan hadn't happened to show up at that moment. I think this is not only do I think it's ridiculous, like Josh says, I, I think it's an incomprehensible ethical position, but I think it's also a 21st century quietist position. It it feeds into these arguments about like should we punch Nazis or should we you know have nonviolent resistance and that kind of stuff. And I think the the eventual attitude of the show is. Oh, just don't do any kind of unpleasant, violent things.
2: I think there are arguments for pacifism. It just fails to ever articulate that. I'd love to have arguments presented in which I can go... Hmm, interesting argument. I disagree, but there's not even an argument ever presented. It's just words being blathered out. What
3: it's doing is it's checking the boxes because David Tennant did this too. He said, "Oh, I don't use guns or Mm -hmm. whatever," and so it's just Chris Chibnall being like, "Oh, I guess the doctor isn't a isn't a violent person." uh, There
2: was an article that I read many years ago. I think it was an interview with Tina Fey, and was talking about comedy where she was describing a term that I think Seth Meyers coined called "clapter." um when you deliver a joke that fails to actually be funny yeah but it actually um, validates the audience's political opinion so they feel obligated to respond in some way, so they just applaud, Co- but it's not that's legitimate. just like to
0: make you cheer rather
1: than laugh. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I feel
2: like this season of Doctor Who is the dramatic version of that. This fails as a story, but I'm going to maybe not clap because it's
1: not right, but I'm going to nod.
2: It is not drama, it is nada. <laughs> Where they're nodding in agreement and this political point you're making or this box you're checking needs to stand in substitution of a narrative with some sort of structural integrity
1: I couldn't in this episode find anything to be passionate about other than my dream lover from the Full Monty, Mark Abbey, making his appearance. Robert like, Baratheon? I didn't realize that was... That oh was, my god, how many yeah. times have I watched the scene over and over where he wraps himself in plastic and eats the Snickers bar? Yeah. Like, that is that is like the epitome of the kind of man I wanted to marry my entire life. Like, wow. I don't even to get into like how much I love that character. So... It was doubly disappointing because he wasn't, it just wasn't great. It was, it, so it was really there, wasn't, he? wasn't he? It's you know. a really. The main thing I,
0: I came away with this episode was just how strangely inert it was.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Like, it claimed to be a battle, but there was no battle. There was no battle. There, there's this, all this stuff about the planet having like that wave field that wrecks your memory and it literally amounts to Jack. It was like a mechanism to keep the Mark Addy character from just explaining what the hell's going on right away.
3: Mm-hmm. We're, we're really kind of slogging through this one, aren't we? I, I, yeah, I this mean... This is I, not how we should be talking about the final episode of no, season well, of Doctor Who. I mean, finals it's
1: never... It's, for cool. for everyone I was watching Doctor Who, I didn't want to see more Daleks or more Cybermen. I wanted new original stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really wanted some freaking Daleks in this episode or something i it wanted could have been different yeah um, it was
3: like these robots were the, the lamest robots ever they could possibly why shoot. are they they're, even they're, there? they're shooting each other i don't, I don't well know. even
2: tim shaw at the end is defeated because graham shoots him in the leg it, it is the most lame well, moment okay
0: at
3: Ken, literally lame in <laughs> the moment he's lame
0: and, and, and there's the weird sort of moral thing where like killing tim shaw is wrong but putting well, him
3: in a stasis chamber. But well,
0: putting him in a stasis chamber for infinity is okay. I There's an argu- really that. deep
1: argument, that actually could be made against, like, is it better to execute people or put them in jail for life, and which one is more torturous, and which yeah. one is? More- but no, we're not going to talk about well, it that. It raises the question too: you know, Is
3: there not some sort of intergalactic authority that, that he could be turn turned over? you used to talk what about to the Shadow <laughs> Proclamation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Shadow Proclamation. Leave them in a
1: box. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I, 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 I mean,
3: somebody sent those ships that were destroyed, right? There's some type yeah. of nation or intergalactic thing. And Tim Shaw just goes into his infinite imprisonment,
0: like, so passively. He's just, like, literally sitting there, kind of going, like, yeah, okay.
3: Yeah, he's an (laughs) awesome villain, isn't he? You know,
0: like, 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 he's not... he stands, He's no he suits, defiance, no wave. anything. Yeah. Just I mean, but the away. internet
2: was demanding that Tim Shaw come back. There was all sorts of hashtags, bring Tim they, Shaw back. Right? No, yeah, there wasn't yeah, right. at all. No <laughs> one cares at all. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I they
1: I didn't Tim, have enough Predator the first time around. I
0: think Tim Shaw and whatever his race
2: is, like, could have been interesting, but they just didn't do any
0: on it And then
1: they realized they were ripping something off him. and they might have to owe somebody well, he, rights. You
2: know, I was never a huge fan of Russell T. Davies, but I never questioned his ability to write I questioned his taste occasionally his, oh, yeah. oh, yes. his judgment yes. but like Chris Chibnall I really like. at this point I'm this, like this man's not is this some con <laughs> this man literally can't do the fundamentals
3: of constructing a story. so like a big ray hits the earth <laughs> right and like something is happening it, they're going to shrink it down to pirate planet size right so did that happen was the earth shrunk by like 5% because yeah, it was on the earth for yeah a yeah i long mean long it's now.
0: like like 90% of the earth is covered by this energy field and then it just
3: and then it goes just away. kind of get and then what happens to the people on the earth like RTD would at least have some broadcasters being like, there's a big ray from Outer Space doing this. And I, at the time, I'd be like, oh, jeez. Or
0: crowd panic scenes yeah. or something. Oh, God,
3: for God's sake, Russell Davies! But at least they served a purpose. Yeah.
0: It was just so there. I mean, I, I had no reaction to anything that was happening. I didn't really have... No. I didn't have massively negative reactions. I didn't have... I had nothing positive to I either. wish they had ended on,
1: like, they take you away. I think that that was a good could end. have been you yeah. know and it it a taste for to the doctor out. next yeah. to come maybe and like I think that that so could like have been. Yeah. I episode, wish they'd
2: ended on Peter Capaldi's last episode no
3: no no I, no, no, you're being I wouldn't go out. that far um, um. no but if Ranscorff Callus was like the first part of a two parter then I could see how this would be kind of like mm-hmm. a, yeah it's a mediocre lead into something really yeah. cool and maybe that'll be the case in the New no, Year's no, episode. No. I, I suspect not, but, you know, we live in hope. I want Whitaker to have that
2: scene where she's, like,
1: On staring fire.
2: down an army of Daleks and just says, bring it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, she deserves that.
1: I really, I had so much hope in with the first episode of it just seeming not to matter that she was a woman. Mm-hmm. She just jumped into the action and things kept moving and nobody cared. But then it clearly did matter.
2: I don't know if it's an accident. If this is just really Chibnall's vision of what Doctor Who is, and if he had a male doctor, it, this is how he would act. You don't even know.
1: But it, what what really matters is how audiences are going to see it and see her.
2: A lot of people love this. So I, I realize I'm just expressing my opinion. I own think a
0: opinion. lot of people are seeing the show for the first time. I think, I Yeah, right.
1: that's true.
0: I really get the impression like I've never really cared about. Doctor Who, but like, oh, there's a woman doctor. Well, I'll check this out. Oh my mm-hmm. god, and it's like completely new and fresh to them.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's great. I mean, mm-hmm. I think. That, oh yeah, I, yeah. I, feel, I, I, feel I think it's, it's wonderful yeah. if there's a huge like resurgence of like young girls who like, oh, I can finally yeah. see myself represented. I just wish it. I have these political reservations about what this show is saying, which seems to be a little bit on the lines of don't interfere, be passive, don't act violently even when it's called for that kind of thing i just i think that these messages are i don't know that they're pernicious but they're certainly ill thought out
0: okay i know a lot of people who have abandoned doctor who completely oh the 12th doctor pulled out an electric guitar i'm done you know or any of these reasons and they they're like you know i don't get why you're still watching this show and a lot of it is just you know at the end of the day doctor who is my minnesota vikings or my my minnesota it's my it's my team yeah it's like oh they had a bad season this year well that
1: happens i think sometimes you can't help that the idea wins through like even if the writing is terrible even if the performances aren't great there are two minutes with another species as a little tiny frog and it's so delightful and it, it reminds you that, that a lot of this is about childhood curiosity. It's about curiosity mm. about others. It's about wanting to bring people together. It's about wanting to fight tyranny. Like, the ideals, no matter how crappy everything else is, the ideals yeah. are there. You know?
2: it, it also, I think, helps... Me, see the subjective nature of all this, Doctor. We do a podcast about it and we watch it religiously. And frankly, I love the Peter Capaldi era. I don't understand why people stop watching. I think yeah. the same hit miss yeah. ratio as it's been, it's all the classics has been, been classic
0: very, it's been very painful for me to like. How yeah, many people drop Yeah,
2: there are all these people who love this season, and I'm like, they honestly announced they're waiting a year, and I was relieved. I'm like, I don't have to watch this for another year, so like, it helps me relate to people with different opinions. As in, like, I okay, I get that's how people felt
3: about Peter Capaldi. I, I just want to say, like, so the weird thing about this season is that I it it has developed a crisis within me about the whole idea of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. because I'm coming to realize now that much of my love for Doctor Who is that it's not a normal thing. It's like coming out of a weird mixture of people with different political beliefs and crazy yes. eccentric actors and and a particular type of British television production that mm-hmm. is not beholden to like a larger capitalist forces. But mm-hmm. now it's a worldwide phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It's very channeled into a particular way and now I'm starting to feel like it's being designed in a way that well, okay, well, we're gonna have a diverse cast and maybe we're gonna have a a woman doctor and we're gonna do kind of recognizably liberal but safe not per- yeah, safe white liberal stories i I still think Rosa was pretty good, but you know, just mm-hmm. broadly speaking, that's the kind of safe thing that isn't going to surprise you at all and now I'm feeling. It's a corporate product that's being delivered to me. I don't know if I'm going to continue to feel this way in later seasons. Uh, there's always still, even in this season, there's the little bubbly, weird Doctor Who things that I like a lot.
1: But I don't know. I'm starting to... F- I have felt that it's, way a little with the new series overall. Yeah, he, um, yeah but even RTD, I mean... That guy was, was a... F-
3: weirdo
2: it's so true that first season we talked about it last episode uh, when you were arguing the most uh, exciting season being the ninth doctor's first one because it's just so out there
1: yeah but then after that i feel like pretty quickly they were like "Ooh, here's a niche and instead of doing this sort of passive leftist thing they they went with super soap opera land but like either way it was figuring out that you had a mass appeal yeah. And beginning to sell and drive towards that mass appeal. Mm-hmm. Like, why should you want to hold on to that audience? You yeah. never cared about that before. And what was so great about, to me about Doctor Who is it made what it wanted to make. Yeah. And, th- and those nothing. things
3: weren't non-existent even back in the day in the 60s and 70s and 80s. But they're just so much more in our face right now, yeah. that they're being directed toward a particular audience. And maybe we all tap out at different times, like yeah. you are saying, Kelvin. Like, lots of people tapped out in the last couple of years. I'm, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen with me, but this was the first season that I felt like, oh. you designed this for me, and it sticks in my throat. Mm-hmm. I just, like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's good. Yeah, I think it,
2: it was the Saturday after the Witch Finders I had this moment... And this has never happened to me before, where it was a Saturday night, and I went, Oh no, Doctor Who is on. And then I went, Oh wait, it's Sunday, I still have I still have a day left before I have to watch it again. That's
0: I watched the at, last couple
1: it. in clumps yeah. right before this, like yesterday, so I would remember it. Yeah,
0: There are times, and this is not related to the news series at all, but there are times when the podcast feels like a job. Like, I have to watch... For example, the smugglers, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and God bless you, Kelvin. And, and you know, I, I have smugglers to carve out them. this time, Yeah. and I'm not really in any mood to watch a first Doctor era the story recreation at that of moment. The smugglers. You know, and it's like, but I have to do this now, and um is that coloring yeah. my re- yeah. reactions? So I what mean,
2: you're I'm saying, saying is, this entire season is like a
3: bad recreation of the smugglers.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. What
3: you're saying is that you don't want to watch Doctor Who because then you need to see us.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) Speaking of good and bad, that has been this season for us, but not for all. So I'd like us to, you know, bring Christmas into our hearts and remember (laughs) that there are tons of new people out there that are finding Doctor Who in this season, and maybe they're going to go get some books and they're going to listen to some big audios and they're going to fall deeply, deeply in love and maybe be better fans than we are, you know, because they're not bringing all their years up with them. But for me, I hope that there's something for me in the next season. Um, I hope that I am invigorated and re-excited and and feminized and all of those things. But
2: (laughs) The big audios. But uh, we will be back soon with some live podcast recordings from uh, our local Doctor Who convention console room. So uh, keep looking for those. Until then, I'm Joshua. I'm, I'm Pat. I'm Ariel. And I'm Kelvin. And we're
3: saying... Get off
1: my world!
2: New fans.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so you guys. Yeah. You got more. All right. <laughs>
1: This podcast is never going to (laughs) end. This bad is just getting started.